0: Entry 3. The Birth of Gooigi This mysterious element I've come to call Goo has proven unlike any other element I know of. I'm confident that I can make great strides in my research if I can teach Goo to collect ghosts for me. My greatest invention, the poltergust, is undeniably the best way to capture ghosts. I realized that Goo could learn to master the poltergust if only I could cause it to adapt a humanoid form. The experiments began at once. First, I created a mold that I could pour Goo into. This went smoothly, and when I removed the mold, Goo was in fact a human shape. But only a few short moments later, Goo returned to its original form. It seemed Goo was not able to easily hold the shape without help. It seemed I was at a dead end, until I remembered the biological data that the Pixelator captured when Luigi used it. Taking that data and converting it into an electrical signal, I was able to then input it into the Goo. The result was exactly as predicted. Goo shapeshifted into an exceedingly green copy of Luigi right before my eyes. I never doubted my genius. In order to teach Goo, now in the form of Luigi, how to collect ghosts for me, I showed him the vast amount of footage I had of Luigi doing exactly that. Just as I expected, Goo began to mimic Luigi's movements. He even transformed a part of his body into a perfect replication of the poltergust. This progress has exceeded even my most ambitious expectations. I'm so good I scare even myself. However, I must keep reminding myself that all great discoveries require a disciplined approach. Progress in the lab is wonderful, but soon the practical test of ghost collecting begins. There's only one more thing to do. Name Goo, who now holds the shape of Luigi. Easy! He looks like Luigi, so I shall call him Guigi. With Luno Man Greenie Coffee Blend in hand, I must now determine the perfect place for Gooigi to test his abilities. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Spooks cast...
1: Gooigi edition. Gooigi edition. Oh, scary.
0: Uh, I'm... Ah!
1: <laughs> you, stop. You're too scary.
0: I'm Jan uh, Helsing. Jan Helsing.
1: That's, that's terrifying.
0: And with me is...
1: Shh, Nolan. I... <laughs> shivering spooked nolan
0: nolan that's fucking awful
1: <laughs> i don't i did I nolan th- gould I, th- I was under the impression that when i was gone you guys came up with nicknames for everyone we did. i didn't know i was making up my own well, nickname yours. mine was alex- what's your nickname
2: alex mcnightmare
1: that's <laughs> my <laughs> nickname
2: nolan gould nolan gould yeah we, w- we did go over this shivering spooked nolan <laughs> you're a fucking amateur
1: i was gone we went
2: to all this effort we put the spooky noises in and you ruined it
1: oh my god Nothing is scarier. Than a botched podcast opening, am I right? That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Welcome to the show. A very special pre Halloween edition. Halloween's like two days away when this comes out. It is. It is. It is. And you know what that means? Luigi's Mansion 3 is two days away when this episode comes out. The day of Halloween. Which is weird because it's
2: like, oh, you get twenty four hours to play it, and then the Spooky Time season is over. You're
1: actually not allowed to play it on November first. Exactly. Yeah, it's actually yeah. Nintendo will put you in Mario jail. Mm-hmm. It's true. Doug Bowser is gonna come to your house and confiscate it. Just like he confiscated Mario and Luigi and tied them up in that GameCube controller in that one picture they put up when he retired. Oh, that's you remember right. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had he's... them like imprisoned on his shelf because his name is Doug Bowser. Oh uh, yeah. You guys excited for Halloween games?
0: Obviously, Luigi season.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's spooky games. That are coming out for sure. Are you going to play any?
1: Me and Janelle started playing Medieval the other night, which just came out. That was a big deal for you. The remake, right?
0: So apparently you can play it in the PS1 format or something. Oh, like a a port. I guess.
2: Is it a port or is it they just give him like a chunky model?
0: That's the thing. I couldn't find out anything about it other than that there is a secret PS1 thing in it that you can play.
1: So there's something in there. There's something in there. A level, maybe a whole port.
0: Maybe a whole port. Maybe a secret ps1 and if you find the ps1 one just appears in your living room
1: oh that'd be terrifying but okay so when you were younger you played a lot of medieval the og edition right that
0: and resident evil 2 are the first two games i remember playing
1: how old were you when you played resident evil 2 very different games too i love that
0: i was born in 96 so whenever that game came out i think it would have been like like
1: 98 I think.
2: But so you would have had to have been like four? Yeah, it was fucked up. What was the deal? What was?
0: I think my dad wanted to be the cool parent, so my mom would work at night and she'd always tell him not to play those games around me. But of course, he did. And it fucked me up a don't little bit. Don't play I think.
1: medieval around
2: our it's kids. Too <laughs> it's too scary. It is. Do you want to talk a little bit about why it's so scary or, or what it is exactly?
1: Medieval?
0: Man, I don't even know what kind of game to even call it. It's Like a conglomerate.
1: Just like describe like what what you're doing when you play it.
0: Sure. I mean, it's kind of an action adventure game, I guess.
1: It's very classic PS1 kind of action platformer. It's really, really basic. Is it a
0: platformer? Well... Parts of it.
1: Okay, like in the second level that we played, there is that platformer cliche of going up a hill as boulders are rolling down it, kind of like step into the safe zones and dodge them, which, you know, platforming elements, it's more like that kind of lock and key design. You know, you find a door, oh, it needs like the earth rune to open, go to a different part of the level, find the earth room, bring it back. yeah. I compared it earlier to, like, the Sly Cooper games, but that's kind of just because I haven't played a lot of that type of genre. So is it, like, a collectathon of sorts? There's certainly gold and whatnot to collect. <laughs> it's not a collectathon in the sense that the objective is not to collect all of the things and fill out a list. It's a linear progression of levels. I mean, it wasn't that
2: in, like, Sly Cooper or Ratchet & Clank, was it?
1: I guess those games are also both point A to point B, aren't they?
2: Compared to, like, a Mario or a Banjo, it's less, like, look at all of the things. That's
1: why I would compare them to those more. It's that classic action platformer era where they're going for like a little bit of a different setup in the Banjo or Mario's of the world, you know.
0: I'm really glad to be playing it. I mean, you guys saw how excited I was to play it at PAX, but it feels weird... I don't know. I really like that old PS1 camera angle thing that they did. That can be fun, but so far, at least where we're at in the game right now, the camera angles are ruining the experience a little bit. I think the game itself feels a little too clunky. You die too easily. I'm seeing that said by a lot of people, which validates me. But it's just, I don't know, it feels a little clunky. I didn't want to keep playing it last night.
2: When you say the camera angle, do you mean how it's like sort of like angled closer to the ground because they couldn't like render that much? No,
1: it's like when you're out in the overworld or just the wider open part of the level, you have typical third person camera control. When you enter a room, the camera will often pull into like a directed angle or like latch itself. Statically. So like a Resident Evil game. No, because it's not pre-rendered backgrounds. It, it just the camera will like, like if you're going up the side of like that cliff where the boulders are coming down the camera pulls out to frame it almost as like a 2d sort of thing oh so kind of like like that
2: it sounds to me like when you change rooms or areas in a point and click almost yeah
1: there's a room in the in the second or third level where you enter into sort of a open room with a hallway on either side of it and you're entering in a way such that the camera places itself up in the ceiling looking down and as you enter it follows you so the effect is you're coming towards the camera. But if you cross the midpoint of the room, where previously you were pulling down on the control stick to walk forward into the perspective, once you cross the midpoint of the room, if you continue holding that direction, you're now doubling back and doing a 180 going back the way you came because oh, the camera is right in the ceiling in the center of the room. And when you cross that midpoint, your perspective flips. That is definitely so like there's, that era. It's very yeah. PS1 yeah. in that way. We forgot to say what it is. It's a, you're a skeleton boy. Well do you uh, want right. to explain the plot, Janelle? Yeah, go go for it.
0: You are a skelly boy, Sir Daniel Fortescue, yeah. who was slain earlier in the battle than the legends say he was, so now he's back and trying to defeat his ultimate foe. Well
1: he's like he's like the legendary hero. Yeah. He slayed this great wizard. He's legendary hero of the world. But, but, didn't but he it fuck turns up out and it die? turns out that yeah, he didn't that's the thing. even kill one single minion. He's Which just, I think it's hysterical. He, he just became the poster boy. They said like, oh, Daniel Fortescue saved the world. But like, actually he died in the first charge. And so he gets risen back from the dead to have like a second chance. Do you feel like your memory of the gameplay of this PS1 game is kind of nostalgia goggle? Do you still find it fun today? Or
0: I mean, yeah, it's fun. It's definitely a certain mood, right? I don't always want to play super gamey games, but mm-hmm. sometimes I do. But most of it, I think, is definitely nostalgia, which sucks and feels weird. And I don't know, I've been so excited for this game since they announced it. When they did, I cried a little bit. So to feel a little less than stellar about it sucks. But a big part of it for me is that they redid all of the sound effects in the game, which of course they did. But those were specifically what made that game so nostalgic for me.
2: Kind of like the, the Crash Bandicoot and Spyro remake, so they remade some of the sounds and enemy noises. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: But I mean, it's a gorgeous game. It's beautiful in the way that WoW can be sometimes. It's really cartoony, but the lighting is amazing. The humor's pretty good so far, so I'm liking it. I just... I'm a little let down. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know know that the the writing was done back in the day, but I wonder sometimes what the audience is because the plot is very kiddish Mm -hmm. and aimed at a younger crowd, but a lot of the dialogue is kind of old English-esque and they speak in a way that a kid would just not at all understand. Like if you skip the first cut scene, the way that the gargoyle will tell you that Daniel Fortescue is like not actually the hero, that he is a fake, says something like, legendary hero who died at first charge now brought back to life for another chance to back up his let his tail or whatever and like i don't know that like a seven or eight year old would even know what that sentence is it would just sound nice i don't know it's the ps1 era they were just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck so we just making games back then. Well,
2: it sounds like this stuck because this this game seems like it's fondly remembered by people like Janelle. If I'm being honest, I don't think I'd heard of it until PAX. I remember this was a character in their weird like Smash he Bros battle knockout. royale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know what this character is from. So I had no memory of it. So it's it's cool to see somebody. And I was like, what? What is this? And Janelle at PAX was like, oh my god, it's I can play it. It's I know, real. it was so
1: fun seeing your excitement because like when it came out, I remember you <laughs> you like went on Reddit and you're like, well, no one's talking about it. Not one person. Not a single. Is talking one. about this game at all.
0: I I was surprised. I kind of just thought that everybody was super into it. And then we (laughs) get to PAX and you guys are like, okay. And I was talking to one of the Sony guys at PAX and he was like, yeah. I loved this game twenty years ago, but no one else really but like, seems was, to like, know was he about the, it. Was he
1: the guy working at the medieval? Yeah. Yeah, like, he was. Oh, <laughs> I love, I love medieval. Oh, I love this game. Now
0: he knew his shit about it. I, oh, okay. I I think he was an authentic fan. But does this game
1: have like a cult
2: following, or is it just sort of like largely forgotten?
0: I think I'm the cult following. It's just, <laughs> it's just
2: me. So it, it's no like. Oh, what's another game I can think of? I don't know, like Jersey Devil, right? It's not What that. the hell is Jersey Devil? It's a PS1 game that people really like for some reason, but it's bad. Oh, well, okay. I gotta I go check it out. don't know anything about this game. Yeah, no, it's, it's a cult classic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that I mean, that was our Tuesday night. I mean, it launched for like $40. Would you recommend it? Would you be like, do you think you would say like, oh, if you're interested or if this interests you, you should buy it? Or would you just be like, no, I don't think you should get it?
0: Yeah, no, I'd say. I mean, it is hard for me to say that because I'm so early in the game, but at least where I'm at now, I don't regret buying it. It's fun. The boss fights are really interesting at first, and then they get kind of samey and boring, but it's, you know, a fun way to spend a few hours, I think. I definitely recommend it. If it were $60, that'd be one thing, but it's a like seven hour game, I think. So. It's
1: like a knockoff Halloween Zelda, kind of. You're, oh. you're, you're, you're like you're like you're like you're like pushing blocks around yeah. to n- knock them into puzzle That's slots. That's a good and, analogy. I was and, trying and to and think of the comparison. And you just push one button to attack and one button to block. You know, it's very simple combat, mostly focused on like I'm in this area. How do I how do I solve the you know quote unquote like, dungeon part of it to get to the next place and then fight a real simple boss and move on from there. And So instead of an elf, you're a little bone boy. A little bone boy.
0: A really gross bone boy. He's nasty. Oh, he's disgusting. His teeth, he's grotesque. Why, why is he gross? He's just, like, a clean bone. No, his, like...
1: His, like, eye socket that is made of bone will squint to express his... His oh, anger I love when and skeletons it's weird. A skull squint. I love he that. He does the skeleton squint. His if you teeth
0: say. stick out of his skull in a really nasty way. He's gross, and I love even him even and he's in my the part boyfriend. of the cutscene
1: when he is a human. <laughs> his face is still like a skull deformed. And yeah, like he's he's dumb.
2: He definitely has that sort of like nineties yeah. character design style to it's, me. It's cute,
0: but it is fun. Yeah. Like if you just want to sit down for a little bit and play a game, it's perfect for that.
2: Have a, a ghoulishly good time. A
0: ghoulishly good time. You guys yeah. want to
2: talk about some news? Yeah. i got some spooky news for you.
1: Alex, hit me up with some spooky news.
2: Actually, all of these news stories could be construed as spooky or frightening in some way. <laughs> in um, a way, yeah. I'm going to start with the one that's very straightforward, and that's a horror game that is being worked on by uh, Suda51 and Swery65. And if you don't know, or Swery65, excuse me. And if you don't know those names and numbers, these are also two cult classic Japanese game developers. Suda51 created Deadly Premonition, which is a weird, like, pistache parody except it takes itself completely seriously it's like
1: video game twin peaks yeah but
2: it plays like a b-movie i don't know whether he's in on the joke or not and i don't think anyone does Well, that's kind of what
1: like suda does also they make these games that end up being critically acclaimed but people can't decide if it's top tier camp or low tier trash yeah that's kind of why they fly right
2: yeah both of them do that like suda 51 made like lollipop chainsaw and like killer Mm. 7 oh what else what else did he make no more heroes so these weird uh games that are very much like in your face over the top cartoonish you know and i mean same
1: with sweary who made kind uh, of games that you're not really sure if they're good but like you always want to know what they're going to put out next
2: yeah that's how i
1: feel i'm like i don't really play their games but i'm paying attention
2: yeah i have kind of a soft spot for lollipop chainsaw even though it's like not very good and i could go on for a long time about how that game has some serious didn't, like problematic representation lollipop issues. chainsaw
1: get the jump on god of war in terms of like like she has her boyfriend's head tied to her belt yeah and, her boyfriend
2: like, is like talking to her the whole time and i know that her head. When god what of war
1: that? did that with the character who you tied to kratos's belt the talking head the whole game people thought it was this incredibly unique idea and i was like i think sweary got the drop on you on this <laughs> nick Lollipop chainsaw woman's boyfriend was here first guys it was either written or translated or localized by the guy who directed uh
2: guardians of the galaxy james gunn really yeah it was written huh. by james gunn wow james gunn before guardians of the galaxy was known for campy horror campy yeah. weird uh, grotesque horror so it makes sense so anyhow the two of them yeah, they the had, two a, of them, had a conference of some sort there was an announcement <laughs> of a conference at uh IGN an Japan. announcement of
1: an, an maybe an announcement
2: yeah so these two basically got up on stage they had a translator translating them live to english And they were like, hey, so we're going to make a game. And basically said, I think the quote that Janelle pulled out was, at present, the duo would like to see the game released on Stadia, Switch, or even mobile. (laughs) So
1: they don't know (laughs) what they're doing at all. They don't know
2: what they're doing. And to add on top of that, at one point, one of them pulls out their phone and the translator's (laughs) like, what what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm texting uh, the guy who made the music for Silent Hill what <laughs> yeah i'm gonna text him and see if he's interested in working on our game
1: live on stage live on
2: stage you text him and then you know he puts his phone away he sends a text he feels it buzz about like i don't know maybe like five ten minutes later picks a bucket who's like yeah he's interested and so they announced that <laughs> oh they my also God. said now there's some confusion about whether this was a translation error or not but they also said oh yeah we're gonna get it published by devolver digital and Devolver Digital tweeted out, we have no knowledge of publishing this game. <laughs> well,
1: you didn't talk to us about this. Stunt with Silent Hill's composer. It sounds like they don't really care about pre-approving anything. It's weird. It's Power very player. in character for both of them. Yeah, It is, yeah.
2: And now there's negotiations. Uh, I think one of them tweeted back, like, do we have to make concept art? Because we don't have
1: that ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> and developers like, yes, you do. It's it's the law. <laughs> So, so, so they're making probably a horror game. Well, they said it's a horror game. The but game... they don't know what they're doing, so it could be anything. Well,
2: yeah, it's a horror game, and the game yeah. is called... Wait, it has a title? Yeah, it's called Hotel Barcelona. Why would they... What? What is the, happening behind the game doors is Hotel light and easy to play, and it's called Hotel Barcelona, and that's about all we know about it. They don't it.
1: know enough about it There's to know no what game. platform they're developing it for. They don't have concept art. How do they have it? But they had a press. Conference. Why is there? Why is there a title and like a summary of how it is to play? So I'm I'm very
2: excited because these two are really interesting developers, and to see that they're just working on some bullshit they don't even have <laughs> planned, I want to see how this is gonna go. So I'm going to be following uh, Hotel Barcelona pretty closely. Please do. I will. Maybe
1: it will actually get picked up by Devolver. Who knows? That'd be really funny if it didn't, though. Hold on. The article says a little bit about, okay, it says, Either way, the duo discussed the possibility of having employees and guests at a hotel stalked by either a killer that is a ghost or maybe a different person. (laughs) Suda also discussed how he'd like to throw in an evil character, the player. A journalist covering the opening of the hotel would be forced to control. Since Suda is more into gore than swear who prefers suspense, it's possible Ho- Hotel Barcelona would have a mixture of both. Suspense in the beginning, blood and gore during the second half. So, I mean, that's, that bit is just pure speculation. But you know I, what? Fuck it. This I, whole conference is pure speculation. I, I, I am in love with having either a killer that is a ghost or maybe <laughs> a different person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> who knows? They sure as shit don't. Uh. But yeah, we got the Silent Hill Composer. Probably we got uh, Devolver Digital, maybe. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, just a real maybe A-list of stars? Uh, ghost, maybe. Maybe a ghost, maybe a killer.
1: Uh the scary stuff. Um, so Outer Worlds that launched yesterday. So Obsidian is the developers made Fallout New Vegas back in the day. They released Outer Worlds last night, and it's sort of like an original RPG that is based off of that Bethesda, Fallout, Elder Scrolls-esque formula. One of the first ones in a long time. But anyways... So they're I'm sure early... we'll be talking about it more next week. Absolutely, yeah. I, it's all downloaded. I'm going to play it when I get home tonight. But they have been kind of the Fallout fan favorites with New Vegas, so this game looks like it's kind of positioned to take over the Fallout throne or whatever you want to you call it who since, they weren't the favorites of since bethesda's screwing the hell up and yeah does not bethesda if you haven't been following has been engrossed in a, in a in an extended pr nightmare for the better part of maybe over a year now <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even longer because they can't do anything right and so on the, on, the, on the night of outer worlds releasing bethesda is like hey look at me um Fallout 76 has a subscription now. So now there's a $13 a month subscription for Fallout 76. You can pay $99.99 a year, which, I don't know about you guys, strikes me as the single worst attention grab of all time. It's bizarre. I think this costs more than Netflix. Like, yeah, Netflix is, like, maybe around the same price, but $13 a month and... Let's see, what do you get? Do you remember Janelle? What
0: I don't really remember the actual details of what you get. I just know that I've been reading that none of the things are actually happening. Oh yeah, for that's people. fun. That's so. Fun. okay. So
1: you get private servers, but reports are saying that the private servers <laughs> can be joined by anyone. <laughs> you get a scrap box which says unlimited storage for crafting components in your own new scrap box container. Reports are showing that everything you put in the scrap box is permanently deleted from your character in your world. That's either uh, th- $12.99 or $99 a year. <laughs> you get 1650 atoms per month to use in the atomic shop, which if you'll recall back in the day, they handed out like 500 atoms to everyone who pre-ordered and didn't get their canvas bag. And it turns out you can buy basically nothing with that. This is just barely over three times that. You could maybe buy like a potted plant or something in game per month. You get the Fallout New Vegas outfit. That's cool.
2: They didn't make okay. that game.
1: <laughs> That's the thing. They're like, fuck you, Obsidian. We're, we own Fallout, not you. There was a- there's And you a, get emotes too. There's an old internet story. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God.
2: Sold. Sold. Take it back. There was an old internet story that Obsidian was promised a raise because they, you know, were crunched and worked really hard in the game. If they met a certain quota, and I think it was they had to get like 85 on Metacritic, and they got an 84, and so they didn't give them the raise. I don't know how true that is, but after hearing a lot of the shit they had to go through and seeing like the the seams of Bethesda slowly become unraveled in the past like year and a half, I wouldn't doubt it.
1: Well, the thing with Obsidian's New Vegas dev time and Zenimax is that as the publisher, they literally went and told them, "Make an entire new Fallout game with the assets we're going to hand you, but you only have 18 months to do it," which if you don't know game development is a very That's short term. That's time. nothing. I mean, the fact that like Kojima turned around Death Stranding in like something like a little less than two years, or like two to three years, but the fact that he was able to pull that off in a game of this profile is, is absurd. And Fallout fans and critics alike expect a Fallout game to be like really wide and vast and full of things around every corner. Zenimax comes to Obsidian and says you have 18 months to make this game. You have to make it bigger and better and and more varied than Fallout 3. And if you get above 85, you know, we'll give you the raise. And like, you're right, they got 84. But they got 84 because ZeniMax kept coming in and cutting time or rushing them or whatnot. So... Bethesda has been on the downward spiral for a long time. They keep finding new and creative ways to fuck Uh, up. It's hysterical.
0: So as I've said a million times, Blizzard has been one of my favorites for like ever. Well, Bethesda was my other one.
1: Oh, (laughs) no. So it's been like a rough couple of years for me. You've had a bad time, yeah.
0: I mean, my takes on Bethesda are nothing new. Everybody's been saying it for years now but what the fuck what are they doing what are they thinking <laughs> every single thing they do just blows my mind and it doesn't seem real even like
1: mmos are struggling with whether or not the market for a subscription-based game is still viable but out here like why don't you pay full price for our game and then subscribe to it and we'll give you nothing i heard this a while ago i don't know if this is true
2: but to my understanding bethesda is not publicly traded they're a private company so we have no knowledge of how much or how little money they're making, <laughs> but this move definitely seems like they need some money. Yeah. <laughs> because they are grasping at straws here.
0: Uh. Man, I'm wondering what their next games are going to look like with everything that's been going on with The Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield.
2: Yeah, they, I feel like they have to do something different.
1: If Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield aren't successful, I don't know that I see Bethesda coming out of this hole. They're going to have to really like look at other games, look at
2: themselves and be like we need to we need to change something.
1: What if they change the company name? If they just like commit fraud. Now we're called Maryland. (laughs) No one's gonna know who we are. We get a fresh start. It's great. That is not Todd Howard you saw. That is Ron Ron Coward. (laughs) It's a different man. They look remarkably similar. Uh, It's it's gonna be great okay well here's my question for you janelle if you're around and a new fallout game comes out what what are you looking for i know i know you were into fallout 4 but you, you like had your qualms right right in the fallout 4 you had some problems with you're a fan of fallout 3 mainly is your is your one right right oh I really do
0: not like fallout new Vegas, which oh. is which
1: is another interesting conversation i don't have time for but like what do you want out of a fallout 5 or just... elder scrolls 6 or starfield
0: I don't care about Starfield. I don't like space games. I'm not playing that game.
1: So in other words, Outer Worlds, it poses no threat to you. Right. The Bethesda brand. They know that you're on their side.
0: I mean, for Fallout 5, if that game comes out, when that game comes out, whatever that looks like. Oh, it'll come out at some point. Uh, I don't know. You don't think so? I think Bethesda is doing this weird thing with their multiplayer games where they just want to be able to have those be their games. And it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't make another Fallout game. I don't know,
1: their two biggest profile games they're working on right now are, are exclusively single player. Sure. I mean, they're still putting a lot of money and time into like into passion projects. And Fallout's like, Fallout's still got a lot of value behind the name.
2: Like, I don't think that's depreciating. Even with 76, I don't think that's depreciating. People still have really fond memories of 3 in New Vegas, and Outer Worlds is causing quite a stir because it's it's that type
0: of game. Basically, yeah. But I mean, as far as a new Fallout goes, I just want them to get rid of that shitty crafting system. I thought that was the dumbest thing. I hated that. I just want to... Go around a city, get a little spooked. That's what I want. That's all I need. I have very basic needs. I just want to be spooked. I want to go into a cool vault and not craft shit. Because so, I think that's super I, I'm boring. I'm
2: not much. I never really got into Fallout. When you say crafting, do you mean like the traditional like
1: crafting that's in every video game? And this was in four, or was this in four? Had some pretty extensive like settlement based mm-hmm. crafting. You'd collect scraps throughout the world to upgrade your guns and also to like construct buildings. And there was a really, really, really loose, rudimentary town management aspect where your people would need water or some kind of leisure activity. You know, like, oh, I want to build them like a like an arcade cabinet, but you need like a generator and like a wire built out of whatever you find to connect them so they can use the arcade machine and then it raises their happiness so they work better and you get more corn crops or whatever. I do remember hearing a little bit about yeah. that, but is that what you're talking about? Or? Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I'm talking about. It was just weird. That whole game felt pretty soulless to me. I think having a completely voiced game was a bad call fix that, get rid of all the voice acting for the main character, make it like Fallout 3, and I'm happy. I just want Fallout 3 Remastered.
2: But Janelle, the robot can say your name.
1: It probably can't say Janelle. Oh, uh, that's true. It probably it, can't it, say It Janelle. has like 300-some names, but I don't know if that'd be Ouch. one of them.
2: There were a couple weird
1: ones that it didn't know, like like Jason or something. <laughs> yeah, someone just, was like a vendetta against... Yeah, to, to, yeah. Todd hates a Jason. Yeah. <laughs> you know Todd hates a Jason out there. Well... I'm not going to be playing Fallout 76, but I am going to be playing Outer Worlds like this weekend a lot. And I'm personally very excited to come in uh, next week and talk to you guys about it. Because like I got really into Fallout 3 and New Vegas both. Um, Four, I didn't even play like a third of. I I guess I got so disenfranchised as four just out of the gate. 76,
2: Mm -hmm. didn't even give it a second glance. I'm not super into Fallout as I stated earlier, but I'm really looking into, I'm really looking forward to somebody like kind of grabbing Bethesda by the collar and being like, yo, if you don't get on this, we will. Yeah, I think The Outer Worlds is going to
1: Because no one has really attempted to make their type of game. Mm-hmm, as soon as mm-hmm. someone does, it's all of a sudden... The Outer Worlds could be the next new, big, valuable IP. It's like how I and personally... And a huge fan favorite, so... Yeah. It's like how I think if someone were to... If anyone would just hop on this train of making games that are historical epics, the Assassin's Creed would not have the place in the industry that it does. If anyone else thought, why don't we do that? That's all it takes. But, I can
0: uh, confirm Codsworth will not say Janelle, but he will say Noonan so
1: noonan noonan have you ever
0: noonan? heard the name noonan before noonan?
2: no can't Nobody you get him has. to call you like shit like cock
1: stain or like
0: yeah something dumb like yeah, that yeah yeah gamer talk. but not
1: janelle <laughs> but
0: not janelle so
1: <laughs> not jason thanks
0: thanks bethesda
1: well our old friend jason schreier came out of maternity leave for like a day to uh, announce a delay janelle on his baby his baby's one month delay (laughs) his baby is delayed they're taking more time into
2: production they really want to make it the best baby day they
1: can his wife walked too close to the tv and the baby heard like some dialogue from a death stranding cutscene. and jason was like that baby cannot be born before embargo so help me god
0: so this week is me being sad about every (laughs) game about everything So he tweeted out about how The Last of Us Part 2 was probably going to be getting a delay until spring 2020. And then about an hour later, it was announced that The Last of Us Part 2 is delayed until May 2020. And delays are great. They should happen when they need to. But goddammit, I'm so upset about this. Just
2: When was the original planned release date?
0: February 20-something. Something? Yeah. So
2: it's not that far.
0: It's not that far. It's just last month they had this huge press thing people got to play the game for like two hours or something it was a really big deal i pre-ordered it i cried like twice i think and i was super (laughs) excited february was so close and now it's may and that's fine it's going to be a better game for it but it sucks and it's sad and hate to see it
1: in my brain i already have last of us part two slotted away as a game for next year Some somehow for me it being pushed back a couple months doesn't register as much of a difference considering i already am like well i'm not playing it soon so in my brain, it's like not much of a difference, you know? Ghost of Tsushima was delayed more quietly. Is that it's, confirmed?
0: I don't think that's confirmed. I no,
1: think that's I thought just a that... Rumor, uh, but
0: Jason Schreier said it, so that means it's probably real. Yeah, <laughs> he,
1: he doesn't tend to be off on these right. things. He he did say that it was going to be like the latter half of 2020, mm-hmm. as opposed to a front quarter game. I'm personally wondering, like, how much does one internal development project affect the scheduling of another. I mean I, I wonder if when a game gets pushed back in those release dates by the very nature of Last of Us Part Two getting pushed back, get pushed closer together, if Sony comes in and says, Well, oh, we don't want these two high profile games coming out in the same season. That's what I'm thinking. We it's want like, to diversify, so we're gonna push Ghost of Tsushima back.
2: Yep, yep. It's like a movie studio. Like they don't want them they don't want sales to cannibalize each other.
1: So is it Sucker Punch? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, Sucker yeah. Punch. I wonder what if this is a blessing to them, you know, when the studio comes in and says, listen, last of us get pushed back, you guys are gonna get an extra few months. I wonder what the reception is. You think they're still supposed to go gold at the same time? Like, how does that work? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. They might not have... I mean, it's of course, it's complete speculation. I guess I'm just saying I'm curious, like, what happens behind closed doors when a high-profile game like this gets pushed, you know?
0: I'm almost in the same boat with you as, like, it's just coming out next year. We knew that anyway. It's not that far off. It's just The Last of Us is my favorite game of all time. Yeah. And I've been eagerly counting down the days. I put it in my calendar. I have yet to edit it. I need to. I got that Best Buy email that said that my pre-order is scheduled for that's a different a, date, a and thats always fun. that hurt me, but <laughs> I mean, well, it's going to be better. You
1: know, if it was a game like Death Stranding drops November eighth, you know, if if I got an email and Death Stranding was delayed two months, I would be I'd be devastated because yeah. I'm already in the mindset that exactly. I'm like next week I'm playing Death Stranding, you know. But uh, no, I I can't speak to Last of Us
2: unfortunately because I have no experience with the game. You but do? It's on your shelf though. Play that game. It's been I'll, on your shelf for play years. Play it eventually.
1: You should really get on that. I got it on sale one time for like $6. Oh my you still got to play Red Dead 2. I'm Death not Stranding. finishing Red Dead 2. You got a collector's edition for Death Stranding coming in. That's going to be a Going to finish yeah. Death Stranding. <laughs> you better finish Death Stranding. We're going to have um, some stuff to say about yeah. that.
2: But but anyway, uh, we've had discussions on other podcasts about the famous crunch culture thing. So it's cool to see, yeah. or I hope that this is in response to that and not because they have a broken game and they're trying to salvage it, right? So far, a lot of the responses I've seen online have been pretty understanding. Like, oh, I'm disappointed, yeah. but I understand. And that's the message you guys are saying across too, well, is that like, oh, I'm disappointed. And as much as I wanted this game to come out, I'm glad that it's taking its time. I just hope that that doesn't start to change. I really hope that that public opinion of like, oh, let's, let's give these guys time to help them healthily and safely make this game is going to continue. Totally.
1: Well, from an outside perspective, it seems like Sony has been really good to their developers in terms of letting them take control of their own product. Like with some publishers, you might see an incident like with this Last of Us 2 thing where they had a tweet or an announcement where they basically said the game's not going to have multiplayer. If it does, it's going to be a separate project we work on later you know, you could see publishers coming in and saying the first game had a successful multiplayer component. This game is already going to sell. Well, we want longevity. We want the potential for microtransactions. You know, we need you to work on this and it would lead them to have to cut corners somewhere else. But you can you can see Sony gives the developers a lot of levity to, to make their own choices about their own product. And so I actually see a delay like this as a, as a great thing. I see it as like you can imagine The Last of Us 2 dev team going in the game needs some finishing touches. I don't want to end up with a Bethesda situation where a game comes out months before intended or an EA situation where Anthem launches before they've even smoothed out the bugs for the game to launch properly. You know, so I'm personally I'm pro delay. But I, and also, I, I get what you mean. If Death Stranding was delayed right now, I'd be a sad boy.
0: Sure. I'd be
1: I'd be DMing Kojima saying, please, Kojima, please change your mind. I'll do anything, please. Kojima. But no, please. I mean, it
0: totally is a good thing. And I'm really happy to see that. And it is really nice that most of Twitter hasn't been crazy about it. I've seen a lot of hot gamer takes that this isn't fair because I'm going to be playing Cyberpunk and how am I supposed to play both games? But I mean, it is good. And most people have been really cool about it. And that is really, really nice yeah, I, to
1: Yeah, I, I personally really enjoy seeing that too. Yeah i'm with you on that go to tsushima this just served to remind me that it existed frankly yeah, i, I of forgot mean, about it I want, I want that game you know I'm, I'm hey if anyone can if anyone can do what red dead 2 did for the west with with samurais i'm there i'm buying a day one
0: but alex isn't there probably <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm not
2: usually the type of person to buy things day one unless it's something that I'm like really interested in. Like I've already bought in on
1: uh, Death Stranding, so. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of Death Stranding, some stuff went down over the weekend.
0: Well, maybe there was a huh? tweet that the entire game's plot had been leaked, but I haven't looked into anything else. I thought about Kojima
1: it. talked about it himself.
0: I thought that too, but Alex told me it was a fan account, and I'm an idiot.
2: Yeah, we did. A, well, you're not an idiot, but we did a little more digging, and yeah.
1: it was a fake.
2: It wasn't necessarily. Well, I would honestly believe it because we've known that people have had access to this game for quite a while now. So
1: if, so a fan account reported that someone had access to the whole plot, but there yep. wasn't a link to said leak? Exactly. Right. And, and you couldn't find the leak itself.
2: Right. I didn't and dig for it Obviously, we didn't want to dig for it because I don't want the game to be spoiled for me. But, but right.
0: regardless of whether or not there actually is one, I'm interested in knowing what you guys think about leaks in general. They sure. happen all the time. This wouldn't surprise me if it were actually happening. Hell, I don't play Overwatch anymore, but before every event ever while I was playing it, people would leak all of the content beforehand, right? Like, what do you guys think about leaks?
2: I mean, the game that I can think of the most closely associated with leaks is Smash Bros. For whatever reason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Smash community is super, super into, like, digging into as much information as they can and trying to find leaks about, like, oh, what character is coming out? What, like, remember the Grinch
1: leak? That was a whole thing. Which, by the way, if you don't know, is not... A leak about the Grinch yeah, being in Smash. I was gonna explain it, but <laughs>
2: uh, so somebody went to all the trouble to make a fake poster and put it on Snapchat of this this like image of all of the fighters like standing up doing like cool action poses or whatever. But they drew in some of them, and some of them were like fan requested characters like Geno from Mario RPG and Banjo and Kazooie. Um So people really latched onto that. We've known about, uh, or we had known about what's his name, Erdrick or the Dragon Quest heroes. for for quite a while before they were announced.
1: to be fair, like, Nintendo themselves titled the... So they have to create a slot in the data for the character on the select screen before they add it to the game, because you you need, like, the game to be able to just, like, instantly accept this addition. Anyways, they usually use code names or placeholders, so if someone digs into the files, they can see like, a hint about what the character will be. But, like, the Dragon Quest hero is named Hero. No,
2: his name was... His code name was Brave.
1: No, I know... Well, yeah, but in, in Japanese, like, his his oh. name is Yuki, which is just Brave. So people were like, okay, well, they just called him the name of the character, as opposed to usually there's some kind of, like, obfuscated reference. Nintendo really didn't mm-hmm. do a lot of work to hide this well, one. Well, and there
2: were the famous Vergaben leaks, too, which have all been all but a couple of them have been confirmed too so you know that's that's a community that's very interested in that contrasted with famous, someone
1: famous 4chan leaker if yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah.
2: oh not 4chan um i want to say NeoGAF. remember neogaff oh, you know Fuck.
1: you know neogaff
0: oh i know Neo Gaff. Oh, i, I know neogaff
2: Neo Gaff. i wish i didn't know neogaff but i know NeoGAF. man Game facts.
0: Poll of the day, baby. Poll of the day, baby. <laughs> I was into those in high school. Oh, yeah. you really? Every single morning. Yeah. Oh wow. That was a weird time for me.
1: But I guess the question is, how do you feel about those leaks? Because I remember back when Smash Four was still getting its first batch of DLC characters. I have a very distinct memory of after high school, being in Alex's room. And we were watching a Nintendo Direct together about Smash Bros. 4. Yeah, and just the, the ballot winner. Right. And I remember them hinting that they were going to announce a new character next. And then the screen goes dark and the camera pans up and you see the moon and you hear the first few notes of Bayonetta's remix of Fly Me to the Moon before... Some stuff flutters into view and you figure out what it is. And Alex and I just started screaming like and top and of was, our lungs. That we was one was,
2: of my most highly requested well, characters. And, and
1: and 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 it was completely out of left field. I mean, people wanted her in, but it was it was completely out of character for the franchise. It was people expected it, but nobody really expected it. You
2: know? Compare that to Ryu, whose entire character model and not that's a model, you could play him
1: in the game. A couple of days before they officially announced it on Nintendo Direct. Well, I, I can't think of a single character in Smash Ultimate that I did not know about a few days before Nintendo told me about it. Persona 5.
0: Yeah, Joker really surprised me.
1: You know what? You're right. And especially because that was at the Game Awards. Joker was a big surprise. For the, for the most part, though, Smash Ultimate is a lot less mysterious than it was back in the day because everything's being leaked nowadays.
2: And I think it's sad, too, because I know that Sakurai has publicly stated that he's like, I wanted to make a fun surprise for people. And I'm not able to do that anymore because people are just like digging into every little thing I say and scouring through the source code. And It makes me a little sad.
1: Ubisoft hasn't even, hasn't even made any public plans about when to talk about the next Assassin's Creed game, but we've known for months and months that it's a Vikings game, even though they've been totally quiet and they were supposed to go on a two-year hiatus. But we've known ever since probably like just a little bit after Odyssey came out, you get, your boy Jason Schreier came on and told us out of the gate, you know? And this is the thing. Is one of my favorite journalists in the whole games industry sphere, but this guy, he leaks everything.
0: Everything. He's and, the, he's the guy. And I'm with you Alex, like it makes me sad. It feels bad to know that these people put a lot of work into doing something in a really cool way and then having redditors like fuck that up or it's, having Jason just say everything just sucks.
2: Especially when you can attach it to a face, right? It's a little different with Assassin's Creed, cause it's like, oh, it's it's Ubisoft, right? Like the guys working on making a monkey game now, he doesn't care. But like
1: that man is not even with Ubisoft. Exactly. He's, he's not Mr.
2: Ubisoft. Exactly. Tim Ubisoft. Nobody's Mr. One, one Ubisoft. Ubisoft. But there's Kojima, and Nobody's there's Sakurai, Ubisoft. and there's, uh, well, I guess to an extent, uh,
1: Todd Howard. You know, like... He doesn't uh, even... Did you know he doesn't even have a Twitter? Oh, yeah. I believe it. He's he's just... He's kind of like... He's kind of off the grid. Probably smart for him. Yeah. <laughs> I Absolutely. Yeah. You
2: know, th- it's different when you can attach a face to, uh, to a game... And have them come out, especially when they come out and are like, "Oh, I tried really hard to make this secret," or "Hey, it's really important to me that this stays secret."
1: You know. Well, there are cases where you don't have a face too. One that really stands out to me is back in the day, the the full script for Mass Effect Three was leaked online before the game's release. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. Yeah, and their their ending was this very intricate was this very intricate ending that was supposed to uh, pull on all of the threads from throughout the series into one big ending. And what ended up happening is EA came to BioWare after that happened. And the game, if I recall, the game was less than a year away from launch and EA, without granting them a delay, asked them to redo the whole ending to preserve the surprise but didn't give them a delay or time to rewrite. Mass Effect 3, you might recall, has an infamously shoddy ending.
0: And Everyone hated it, yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. hated
1: it, and rightfully so, and they had to release multiple DLC packs to epilogue the ending to bring it back up to par, and even then, it's just kind of only up to par. But um, that's the thing. They, I, I can't imagine working on a game like that for years and then having a leak, take away all of this work and planning and force you because your boss needs it to be surprising to go back and read all this work.
0: Not only that, but I I do understand that people consume things differently. I just can't imagine being a big fan of something and then wanting to read the entire script instead of just enjoying and experiencing the game itself.
1: No, yeah, it's like it's like how some people I know, Alex, you and your friends do this a lot. You'll you'll not watch any trailers for a movie you're interested Oh yeah, in. yeah, yeah, or games. I've actually been to the theater with Alex and uh, and and our friend Frankie. Well, they 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 will cover their eyes and and their ears and like. Or even sometimes Frankie will get up and leave the theater when, like, he hears <laughs> yeah, the first yeah. note of a Star Wars song come on. He'll go, I'm out. We'll come don't want to see it. Go be on for really five blind. minutes. Yeah, you know, it's the whole thing. So.
2: And I'll do that with certain games. Like, I did I did that. I tried to do that really hard with Death Stranding. Um,
1: you did that with the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, I'll have you remember. Uh, yeah, and I was excited for that Where did that movie. get you? Well, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some.
2: Um, but Janelle, you brought up a really interesting point, and it's the fact that people can not only do people consume media differently, but media is different. If I was to bring it back to Smash Bros, there's no story, right? right. Like these are these are characters in a fighting game, so that doesn't tend to have the same gravitas as like like imagine The Last of Us two script being leaked. That would be devastating. It would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. But you know, imagine like Terry Bogard being leaked. It's like, oh, oh cool. That's a character I wanted in
1: this game. Neat. Yeah, I, I actually, smash leaks are the only ones I pay attention to because mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I I think it's fun. I mean, in that in, in that sense, I look at the smash leaks almost as like a like going on the subreddit when a leak has happened is the equivalent to me of like running to the lunch table. At middle school and gathering around and talking about the weird secret way to get Mew beneath the truck. It's it's this modern equivalent of like, did you hear that? You have to go to the it's moon gonna to be, get Girachi. They're gonna put Terry Bogart in the game, and I know this because like, is you look at this one frame of this trailer and blah blah blah. Or you look at the data and and th- and that is fun to me, but it only in that sphere. But mm-hmm. then they yeah.
0: announce it and it has no impact at all.
1: Yeah. Actually, it has less impact, but there's still definitely. Sure. I mean, there sure. is definitely like an excitement to saying like, are we gonna be right? Is it gonna be Terry? And then, you know, Alex actually, I remember, sent us a message days in advance of the direct and said, Watch, it's going to begin with the intro to this uh, Final Fight game. And like, Geese the... is going to fall off the building. Yeah. It's going to be the on a train. Spinning envelope. And no joke, Alex's prediction was frame for frame what N- what Nintendo actually I mean, put out.
2: I knew that everything was right the moment they showed a Neo Geo console. Yeah. Like, yeah. what other SNK character yeah. can you, you put in that? You
1: instantly, game? like, you had everything. You guys want to
2: play Athena? No. <laughs> You want to play Terry Bogard?
1: You want to play? I don't know. Uh, windjammers? Jammers? Oh, windjammers! Okay. I want windjammers and Smash. Windjammer- I'm not going to lie. lie, I'd play that. Pivot, you guys. We got our first email this week. Well, for yeah, um, for round two. Yeah, for, for round two. For, for, for season round two. two. Emerald games cast Reloaded.
0: It's a Spooks Cast today. though. Yeah. That's true. It it, today's right, today's a Spooks
1: Cast. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. This is from Frankie. What's up, Janelle, Nolan, and the other guy? That's me. Ah, that's, that's Alex. My question is about PAX West 2019. I heard the three of you went to PAX along with another dashing gamer who, audience may or may not be the very dashing Listen gamer to the clues. Who emails us right now. Listen to the clues we said earlier to guess who this person was. <laughs> and I wanted to hear your thoughts on the event and the games y'all played. Anything about the event stand out to you in particular? What were the best booths and the best games you played? Any fun panels? Did anything disappoint you? Just how many secret neighbor plushies could there possibly be? A lot. Thank you. Love the show. That's Frankie. Well, first of all, there That's were a Frankie. lot of Secret Neighbor plushies. The Secret Neighbor was giving out the plushies, and by the last day, nobody was buying them. So they were like, If they you
2: handed them out, they were
1: like, You can come take a picture and get them for free. And then later, they were like, Please just come get them for free. I <laughs> we'll give th- you the most expensive one for free. You can take four of them if you want them. I didn't know that many people liked that game.
0: Nobody likes that game. That's well, what clearly a do,
1: because it had a giant booth. I've never heard a living human talk about Secret Neighbor. I no. saw an around the convention floor line for Secret Neighbor. It's insane. Everybody wanted to play that game
0: at PAX. When Hello Neighbor was originally released, I spent five minutes going, this game looks like it could be fun. And that is the last time I heard anybody in real life talk about it. And then we get to PAX this year and it's crazy and everybody loves it. And Has there this are- just
2: flown completely under our radar?
1: Like, is there a whole subset wh- of people that love this game? It's called Secret. It's the first name of if the I title. If you love True.
2: Secret Neighbor, please email us. We want to understand.
0: When did it go from Hello Neighbor to Secret Neighbor? No,
2: no, no, those was separate
0: games. games. I know. No, oh, but they're the same, too. But it's like no, the same
2: universe. What, what is you know? the
0: difference, no, no.
1: One, though? One, one is like an like asymmetrical multiplayer game, and one is a single-player game. One is you sneak into the neighbor's house, and one is like you're you're like four kids in the neighbor's house, but one of the kids is like secretly actually the neighbor in disguise. Yeah, yeah. And to... <laughs> uh It's great. It's great.
2: Well, I can tell you one of my favorite things that I played at PAX, and I, I didn't expect to like it nearly as much as I did, even though I was already pretty interested in it. Uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, it was so oh good. God. Yeah, yeah. But so what they would do is because it was so popular, they had this ticketing system. So you would go up to like a quote unquote train station, they'd give you a ticket and be like, "Next boarding is at this time," and you'd see the flash when you could get in line. And when you got in line, there were these two women in suits with their hair tied back. They were Shinra reps who were just, like, really mean and shitty to everybody in line. It was great.
1: Well, like, the beginning beginning of the game, like, the original game is you, like, getting off a train at a train station. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, like, you're going to sabotage. You're like a bunch of eco-terrorists. You're going to go sabotage, like, a Shinra power company generator or something yeah, yeah yeah and
2: then they funnel you into this room that's kind of it's like a waiting room for a train you're on like benches or whatever and there's these screens and then they show you like shinra propaganda which is like the evil company in the game and it fades it it like sads out and they're like listen we need you to help break in and and blow up the the Mako reactor or something like that and it was like and he does kill the man with
1: the big sword (laughs) it was this
2: incredible like disney disneyland like presentation that they had backed with like a really really fun game
1: well like me and janelle when we were we were in line with our ticket and we were talking to one another and the woman who was the Sheenra rep who was just like immaculately dressed in this terrifyingly powerful suit with with like not a single thread of thread not a single strand of hair misplaced you know she looked very very intimidating she came up to Janelle and I and she like stood and and like looked us down for maybe 10 seconds, just r- slowly rolled her eyes like uh, like all around us and was like, you two seem familiar. Do you know one another? What district did you meet in? We started talking to her and eventually she was like, you're not eco-terrorists by any chance, are you? You're not going to cause any trouble inside? And we had to like talk our way out of it. She got right up in Janelle's face and st- stared her down and like Janelle did not crack Janelle stared right back at this woman good on you it was really powerful and then the woman like was impressed she gained respect she went and like looked at Janelle and smiled she was definitely an avalanche and then just walked away yeah it
0: was the most powerful moment of my life and I feel like I peaked then but yeah Yeah.
2: like I've only I've we've gone to PAX and I guess I should probably explain yeah PAX is the penny arcade expo it's
1: it's not even technically yeah they don't call it that anymore but it was yeah it was
2: But it's basically a, a games convention in Seattle uh, that they do every year around Labor Day? Yep. Mm-hmm. Labor, Day. yep Labor Day. One weekend. of the biggest. Um, yeah. And so the three of us and our, our mystery guest friend went. <laughs> Who did and... not send us an email this no, week. No, definitely not. Uh, we all went and explored about it and talked about it. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. But that uh, in particular stood out to me just because like they, they put so much money into presentation.
1: I, re- I like those stunts. Oh, those, I love the movie it. stunts because, like, you you can play a demo anywhere, you know? I'm paying to fly out for you to kind of impress me. Well, we so, drove, but... Yeah. And, and one thing I really liked is the people that made this game that I honestly don't care about called Graveyard Keeper. Um, they had, It's this game where you play as, you know, as the title implies, you play as a graveyard keeper. And so their demos, they had, like, a bunch of coffins laid out full of this really comfortable padding... And each coffin had a switch attached to it, like a like a, like a Nintendo Switch, not just a Switch Switch. And uh, and they had a fog machine making fog. So you walk into this spooky graveyard, and, and and you lay down in a coffin, and they hand you a switch, and you play their demo. And I love shit like that. At the More Nintendo without.
2: booth, they had a whole segment. Uh, the Galar, which is the region that the next Pokemon game is taking place in, the tourism booth. So there'd be people giving you like postcards and talking about why you should come visit Galar, and you could get your picture taken with the Pokemon. It was it was adorable. It yeah. was great.
1: There's a lot of a lot of really cool
2: stuff to play. One of the weirder things that they showed off was uh, that one Predator game.
0: Oh, that <laughs> yeah. That was so fucking weird.
2: Predator Hunting Grounds. This game was in, like, alpha. It didn't even have a release date. And they let a bunch of people play it. And it wasn't very fun. It's oh, basically no. This, it was pretty bad. It was basically this isometric shooter where, like, half the team a- was... Asymmetric. Sorry, sorry. Isometric
1: uh, is, the like, the, like, top-down... Yeah. yeah. It was an asymmetric yeah.
2: shooter where a bunch of people were, like, Marines or whatever... And doing some fucking war shit. And in the background, <laughs> one person was the Predator. And you had to like hunt them down. And also, they had to hunt the Predator while also doing their own tasks. It was really cluttered and weird and not balanced and not very fun.
1: <laughs> but they had a man in the full Predator suit there that you could yeah. go up and get a picture with. And the whole thing was decked out like a jungle. Was the full only of vines time and... I've ever
2: seen anyone taller than Nolan, it was wild.
1: I was, so, I, I, I played as the Predator and I won. And, I, and it's not by any merit of my own play is by it's because, because the, the game. predator was broken because the, yeah. the predator has the predator skills and no one knows how to play the game so of course you're going to win if you're the predator and they gave me a t-shirt um that says predator hunting grounds like the hunt begins 2020 which i personally hope the game gets canceled because then i have this piece <laughs> of cool history you know And then i have this shirt where i can wear it in 20 years and go well it's funny you haven't heard of this game because it never came out well, that doesn't like it. a very like, nolan thing whatever point is i was wearing it at the bus station in eugene and this i was wearing my headphones and one of these you know, you know those people that like try to get your attention to talk to you, strangers, even when you're wearing headphones. Oh yeah, well, those guys did that. Love them. And he was like, "What's that? What's your Predator shirt? Is that from a video game or a movie?" And I and I and I and I told him about the about the game and stuff. And he's like, "So one of you plays as a Predator? What kind of Predator? Like a big lion, a bear? Oh wait, no, like, what? a tiger?" And I was like, "Oh no, no, sir. It's like um like like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, like Predator." And he was like, "They're still
0: making that." <laughs> <laughs> But Predator being at PAX was precisely my issue with PAX 2019. I've gone... Precisely? Precisely. The PlayStation booth sucked. I felt like all of PAX was just weird, and I have a lot of nostalgia for 2017 PAX, where I felt like there was was a lot more stuff. Why
2: 2017 in particular?
0: It just, there was a ton of really cool stuff there. The Bethesda area was... Incredibly cool. You oh, wait, had a Wolfenstein I, I, I diner with milkshakes and just oh, I, I didn't hear like about a that. Big yeah. thing. Like all of packs felt like it was a really big thing. Whereas this year, a lot of devs didn't really have any games to put out, so they just put out whatever they could, and it was kind of weird. Well,
1: this year, even like like Sony skipped out on E3 and PSX, right. and they kind of showed up. They had Dreams, but that game's already been like playable at home for a while. You know, if you medieval, but like no one's really there for medieval except for Janelle, and <laughs> <you> know, <it's laughs> like.
0: Um, Nolan and yeah. I got to see the Death Stranding experience at which PAX, was just Which, was, which was just
1: A, the same trailers they already had on YouTube, plus, plus one. one small seven-minute, small seven-minute trailer that came out like three days later online. Yeah. But we got to, sit, we got to watch it in a theater. Yeah, you we guys were
2: like, I can't believe through. you didn't go watch this. You didn't want to be immersed and... In- yeah, I didn't miss it. It was
0: just being able to do it when nobody else could that made it exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, It's sure.
2: the exclusivity of it. Yeah. There were a bunch of really cool indie games that I can't think of the names of, unfortunately. Um there was this really cool like basketball one.
0: Yeah. The one that we played at the end of like the first day or something. hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It was this cool like basketball. It, it played like NBA Jam, but you had like supers. Like, it was like a fighting game. Yeah,
1: it was really neat. There's a lot of um, I I would suggest like looking up just the Indie Mega Booth 2019 mm-hmm. because that that will th- that Indie Mega Booth actually travels around to multiple conventions. You can find the whole list. Um it's very very strong showing this year. Frog a lot detective of cool too? stuff in there. Yeah. Yes. Frog Detective Two. Well, that's the cool her. thing. You get to meet the devs of games you like. They're just kind of hanging out. You know. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, yeah.
0: the Indie Mega Booth is always definitely the best part of PAX, in my experience. PAX was so much fun this year. I just, I yeah. feel like there wasn't a lot to show. PAX next year, with the next-gen consoles coming out, might be a lot That'll more interesting. That'll be
1: cool, yeah. I think with E3 2020, when everyone is going to be scrambling to show the next-generation hardware, that's going to that's gonna make every consumer convention more fun, because they're going to actually be giving a look at what kind of what's to come, whereas, like, this year it was sort of like, oh, here's some games you already knew about. Here's, the, here's a game that's, like, you know, Ashen. It's just kind of like mm. Dark Souls, but it's an indie game. you have never tend, had one of those before. They
2: <laughs> tend not to announce games at PAX, though, no. because it's mm-hmm. it's smaller scale than something like well, a Comic-Con al- or E3. Al- al-
1: almost never, but a lot of games at PAX that year had already... Like, when we got home, we, we played Blair Witch at PAX. By the time we got home, Blair Witch had been out for days. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that came out before PAX even started, I think, and it's just... Like the it's day a before, little strange, I think yeah. it is a little weird. Well, all right. That has been the Emerald Gamescast episode, whatever the hecko number Spookscast, that was. Spooktacular. Spook- episode 13. I we're getting weird hand, hand signals. signals in the corner of the room from our producer. They're they're scrawling pictographs on the wall for us to decipher. It says we're, it says we're about to wrap it up. <laughs> there are cave paintings that depict somebody making a tea and saying, please stop fucking talking. They're lighting a strange series of torches and drawing smoke signals in the room, which is dangerous. And we have to leave because we might suffocate. There's no snow air flow in here. It's really hot in here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Guiji's here? Huh.
1: Gooigi. Guiji, get away. We have to end the podcast. Guiji's in the room. He's, he's, oh my God. I've been Nolan. Oh, with me has been.
0: Definitely not Gooigi. And? and? <laughs> Alex <on! Gooigi>!
1: Ah, <laughs>